When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time away sports and entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Uh, we're going to get to the madness in college football in just a second. But first, um, yeah, I was watching the 49ers and the Eagles game. Uh, and I was texting with a friend in the media whose name I will not present. And uh, for the first quarter, it was looking like the Eagles were a vastly superior outfit to the 49ers. And I was like, yeah, we ain't going to have to pay attention to this game very much longer. And I was right. We did not need to pay attention to that game very much longer, just not for the reason that I thought was the reason 49ers whooped that ass. Like, that. They, there's really not, like, much more science that you can express to get to the bottom of what happened there, man. They just beat the brakes off of those boys. You can point to different reasons slash explanations how healthy Jalen Hurts is or is not. The fact that the Eagles had a Monday night game or it was a Sunday night game, whatever. They played real close. Then they had to come back around. Um, what you call it? Uh, didn't the 49ers have 10 days off because they played the uh, Thanksgiving night game? You can point to all those things. In the end, that was a shellacking. Mollies were whopped. Everybody saw it. I don't know, like, in full total what explanation it is for all of it, but there was a beatdown, and the beatdown apparently was at the hands of somebody who wears funny-looking clothes. Sean, you were telling me something about how people were clowning Brock Purdy's clothes. Yeah, we had... Hey, man, that dude ain't got no bread. Yeah, what do you expect? They said he, like, how are we losing to a guy who shopped at Kohl's? Kohl's is great. Why are you you hating? Uh, uh, Yeah, easy, easy, easy. What's, What's actually funny about this to me is that you had told me that this video was coming, and if you run it again, run it one more time, I want to show people something. Imagine my confusion when people were telling me that Brock Purdy had a corny fit, but at the start of that video, like, that's him walking, but that the, the, the capture had that dude in the red coat, and I was trying to figure out when the hell Cole started selling that stuff and when Brock Purdy got that haircut. That, like, that was where I was confused. There's a long, lanky Afro-American with dreadlocks. And I was like, what do you got to do with Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy is like, look, I have not gotten my money yet. Now, I, I do have this question there about Brock Purdy, because this ain't really about him and that fit. And you can go look it up. Like, Coles is an appropriate description of uh, where it looks like he got his threads. But, and I don't want to, I know why this might be judgmental. I'm just speaking to this according to the direction that my life has typically gone in. And I feel like similar direction to the lives of men who are out there like this. And I'm obviously not living in the same situation as Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy appears to be similar to me in the sense that I really don't be tripping that much about my clothes. But, you know, sometimes you need to at least look like you care. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why, like, people who get the stylists and stuff like that, they don't really care, but they know they got to look like they do. That me, right? 
And when you're single, you pay people to do it. When you're in a relationship, it is typically done for you, whether you ask for it or not. I believe that Dominique and I were talking about this the other day when he was wearing that shirt that I did finally get a chance to look at and understand why he knew I was going to have questions about it. None of which is to say there was anything wrong with the shirt. Anyway, all I'm saying is I am rather surprised that the future Mrs. Purdy, because the internet say he uh, is engaged. I am a little bit surprised that she got him out here getting off the bus looking like this. That, that that part shocks me. I would also make the point that I think that this is also like kind of sort of a function of being a quarterback because I feel like if that was what his gear was looking like and he played a different position, perhaps defensive line or something like that, where he had a bit more direct interaction with the Afro-Americans, somebody might take him to go get some fits. It might look comical, like they may look like Halloween sometimes, but I feel like somebody else in the position group would have been like, hey man, let me put you on to some game right fast. Um, or even if it was not one of the brothers, how about his brother in this sense, Christian McCaffrey? Like, I feel like if he was a running back, Christian McCaffrey might get him on some of that pretty boy shit that he was wearing in whatever magazine that was. Like, I remember he was wearing, like, wasn't it like a silk scarf or something like that? Any, like, it was one of them joints that tied in the front and it looked like dog ears. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't remember what it was, but I feel like he'd have had Brock Purdy out there a little better. So, I'm just a little surprised that a man in a committed relationship would be out there getting off the bus looking in that way that he does. He got the away suitcase. I bet the house that she told him to get that. I'm surprised she ain't tell him what to put in it. It's especially with that color, that light little pink color. I almost think it's his lady's suitcase. She was like, just take mine. You go on a road trip. Don't bring yeah. your duffel bag, you know? Brock don't care. Like he, He's that guy that doesn't care. And maybe she gave up on trying to care, right? He's not like some of the rest of us who are just like, hey, look, I don't really, like, if you're not gonna care, you gotta not care. So when she suggests that you wear this thing or whatever, if you say you don't care, okay, cool, just go ahead and do that. And maybe she just got tired of it and just like, fine, no, wear, no, no, wear whatever you want. No, 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 that's cool, that's cool. Go to Kmart, get your shit, come back out. Who knows? Maybe that's what it is. Um, but yeah, definitely. I was going to say, and one thing, like, I don't know if you saw that the other 49ers players showed up in all black to the Eagles game, and I'm shocked that I did not. that no one else gave Brock Purdy that memo. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, he dropped the ball in every way. Or maybe he just don't be listening, right? Like, like they, they, I was like, oh, damn, y'all, that's right. Y'all did say we was going to do that. But anyway, they beat the Braves. I mean, they look strong. And Christian McCaffrey, by the way, this I got 17 touchdowns already. I don't feel like we're talking enough about that part of things. Like that to me is when we start talking about the devaluation of the running back, the discussion about the devaluation of the running back to me really comes up with something like that can happen. They have played 12 games. Christian McCaffrey has 17 touchdowns. I, that feels like a bigger deal to me than it seems to feel to everybody else. Is it just me? I don't know. He's a monster. He's a monster. They got monsters. It's just... Somebody sent me a link this morning to an article where the question was, it was a discussion of Brock Purdy, and the headline is, Brock Purdy's MVP case is easier to argue for than argue against. We was just a couple weeks ago wondering if we had got this all wrong again. Wasn't that just like two weeks ago, Sean? Right? They had a bye week. And then they came back, and then it got going. And all of a sudden, like, the short memory of NFL coverage jumps into play. And now people try to convince you that it's an easier MVP case for Brock Purdy than it is against. And I'm just like, what changed? 
And I know it's a down year for quarterbacks. And I, I, you know, someone on Yahoo wrote an article about why Tyreek Hill should be considered for an MVP. But the Brock Purdy 180s that the media continues to do where either he's the worst quarterback or he's an MVP candidate is pretty alarming. Like, I, I don't understand why it keeps coming at this rate. Well, I will say this, though, to be fair to him. Every now and then, you do get a quarterback who isn't that good, but also manages to get to the MVP. Like, being an MVP is not, this isn't basketball. It's not quite baseball, but baseball goes to the extreme on this. But in basketball, pretty much if you make, if you win an MVP, you are a Hall of Famer. I think the only exception that's going to probably come down to on that is Derrick Rose, and that's um, as a function of injury as much as anything else. Baseball, you go through and look at the list of people that have won MVPs in baseball, man, it'd be random as hell. It seems like anybody can go ahead and just like catch lightning in a bottle for a year and become the MVP. In football, normally if you go MVP like caliber player, you, you we think of you very, 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 very highly historically. But every now and then, it's just like a dude wins an MVP. It's a dude named Brian Sipe. I don't know anything about Brian Sipe other than the fact that one time Brian Sipe won an MVP. They also did this weird thing once in the NFL. I believe it was the strike-shortened season in 1982 where they gave the MVP to a kicker. Yeah, that happened. But yeah, like, like when a guy like Matt Ryan has won an MVP. And Matt Ryan's a pretty good quarterback for the majority of his career. For the Falcons, he's a ring of honor, maybe even retire his jersey because of the historical significance that he plays for the for, you know, history of the franchise. But, you know, Matt Ryan being an MVP didn't solidify him or make him one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think any of us took ourselves to that place. Steve McNair won an MVP. And Steve McNair, at his best, was a very good quarterback, but it didn't mean that he now suddenly became a top-of-the-line elite caliber dude rich gannon won an mvp but i have to admit when rich gannon was winning mvps rich gannon was kind of playing some boss football like i i can't really take too much against him but i mean with purdy maybe there's room or space in the discussion for him to be the guy that wins the mvp without us taking it all the way over to the top over the top i would make this point though especially given that we have seen brock purdy be not good i would make this point I don't feel like there's any argument to be made for him that you can't really make for Tua. And you would talk about that Tyreek Hill thing. Look, if Tyreek Hill is a 2,000-yard receiver, I don't care if it's a 17-game season or not. That's the kind of thing that's supposed to make you stop and take notice and you know talk about somebody being an MVP. That is bananas if he manages to do that. I would just make the point to you that Jerry Rice had 22 touchdowns in 12 games in the strike shortened season in 1987, and they still ain't give him the MVP. They're just not going to do that for whatever reason. It's, it's, not, it's not going there. And the, the only non-quarterbacks to win it in a really long time are obviously Adrian Peterson, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Sean Alexander. And to your original point, Christian McCaffrey has 17 touchdowns, and it doesn't seem like the discussion is being made for him to be an MVP candidate. No, it, that's so weird. That's like, that's the thing. If you're going to do that, I would say that you go ahead and you do that in that direction. I'm going to flip this on the other side, though, and it's going to get to a point that I make in our next topic. But the Eagles, let's get on this briefly. If you've been watching the Eagles play this year, the Eagles looked a lot like 
Georgia look to me in football this year. And we see this happen often with teams that achieve lots of things one year, then come back the next year. You got the feeling that the Eagles were just kind of going through it. And then every now and then we hit the gas and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're better than them. And then they'd get it going. We've seen that happen week after week with them. Like they have not been dominating. We're giving them all the they know how to win credit, which is kind of wild to do for a team that actually hasn't won a Super Bowl. But that's kind of the way that we've been dealing with them. They couldn't do that against these boys. <laughs> them boys they was playing against was too good. It was going into that game, talking about should the 49ers be favored going into that week. Like, you know, and it was a fair question to ask, right? It felt a little, you know, felt a little disrespectful. Clearly, they should have been favored by more. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. All right. So, I'm going to do my best here, right? Mother listens to the show. She doesn't like it when there's a bunch of cursing. And I think that she generally, like, makes a fair point about the cursing and the barriers. And a great entry for people to get in and cuss it for no reason. It's just not a good look. It's not necessary. But sometimes, it's, you know... There's points, there's things that have to come down. And there's, there's, there's things that, that frustrate me and there's things that like take me to like different sorts of emotional places or whatever when I, you know, get up on this here microphone. And I want everybody to understand this. Like this is important. I just want you guys to know what kind of person I am and where I'm coming from and just like why I'm like this. And I can live with people disagreeing with me. I can live with people being wrong i can live with having the minority opinion on something but i'm gonna be honest when people sound really stupid and think they sound really smart and then tell me i just refuse to admit that i'm wrong i gotta tell you it makes me want to call you motherfuckers like just roundly top to bottom just over and over and over and over and over and over and over again like i just i just look and all i see is motherfuckers and when i say all i see is motherfuckers i mean it in the sense that like y'all's last name is motherfucker like that's that's what you are right it's not just what i what 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 they call you like i just feel like i see you when it's 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 at the core. It's at your foundation. It's your identity. Like that. That's the feeling that comes up like within me and out of me. And I don't want to be in that place because I don't. Sometimes it don't matter if you write. You know what I mean? And so I want to be smooth about this. I want to be cool. But some topics, it just be a little difficult for me in places. And I want you to understand. 
I am trying to be as respectful of your opinions as I possibly can in many cases. And I also need you to know this, and this is a struggle for me, because I understand how society works, I understand how I feel about these things, and I know the kinds of things that get people shot. Like, I know all of this, okay? And I don't know what to do when people are being stupid because there's no societally appropriate way to explain to them that they're being stupid. And sometimes they need to know that, right? Because what I don't want is for you to be out here being stupid when there's an opportunity for you to, like, not be looking stupid. You know what I mean? Like, 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 you know, some people have relationships with people where they can tell you, hey, that might not look the most flattering on you or you look fat in that or whatever it is, right? But there's no way to really explain to somebody that the argument that they make it is not flattering. They immediately see through the veneer of the euphemism or whatever it is. And like, you're acting like I'm stupid. And like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. But I don't want to do that because I don't want to get shot. I don't want to have to fight. I would want to fight under those circumstances. Okay. So I'm trying to find a way to do all this because I feel like the points that I want to make about the college football playoff are like important. Like I actually, I actually think that there's like a, a fundamental place and a like fundamental importance to what I'm talking about here. Cause it gets to like the root of why it is to be watch college football and where it is that I think that people have completely lost the plot and completely missed the point. Now, I want to start in a place that I actually realize now is like an antiquated argument. Like this is an argument that used to be a huge deal all the time that doesn't go anymore. So like, for example, for those of us who came up in sports talk radio, you'll know what I'm talking about in this, right? Sports talk radio, man, some days it just ain't nothing cracking. You got to figure out how you're going to make it work. And there's always like an imperative to try to get people to call and stuff like that. And well, somebody once told me, and they were right, and, it, and it, it went for decades, okay? If you can't get anything going, if you don't, like, how, what am I going to do to get the people engaged? Just get up in, in there, throw out the telephone number, and say, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? And the phone would just light up. Like, that was one of those topics that was always a topic, no matter what. You always have room for it. I'm watching myself on the, on the teleprompter screen, and I'm like, Dag, I did a horrible job of uh, hiding the wire on my IFB. But I'm going to do that now because it was driving me crazy. Boom. Anyway, like I was saying, that would always get people on the line. But just like Pete Rose would always get people on the line, should college football have a playoff, we get people going. Always. Now, the majority opinion always was that there should be a playoff. And there would be some people that would go in the other direction. But it was such an easy argument because there are a few things that are easier to argue in this world, in the game, whatever you want to call it. There are a few things easier to argue than those people are stupid. Like, once you get, like, favor behind that argument, everybody gets behind that because nobody wants to stick up for a stupid person, right? And so... It seems so obvious. There is no playoff in college football. Every other sport that you can think of in every other fashion seems to have a playoff. They are stupid for not having a playoff. And I had always made the point. Well, I made two points. Point number one that I think is hugely important is everybody want to talk about there being a playoff so that everybody can make more money that they don't give the players. 
And every person, no matter how, like all my fellow progressive people who've been watching sports and always up for the players, that shit always went out the window because they had their thirst and their desire for a playoff. You got people out here talking about having a 16-team playoff, which by my math would be, what, four rounds of competition that the players are not going to get paid for, and you still going to come out here talking about that. Okay, got you whatever but forget that that's simply morality i'm talking about things that get a little bit more to your heart right to the things that people i thought cared about when it comes down to this the bottom line is this there is no good way to crown a champion in college football not a national champion and the reason that there is no good way to crown a national champion in college football is that has never been the point never at any point has the point been to determine a national champion you always had back in the day dozens or not really dozens but a zillion different people who came up with their own champions because why not the reason this game just isn't built for that functionally speaking mechanically speaking you're never going to be able to come up with a good way to do this you're just not. So take the place that we're in now, because these numbers weren't always the same, but take where we are now. There are 130 teams in the FBS. There is wide variance in the types of schedules that they wind up playing, and there is a very small number of games. And the number of games that's played is small in such a way that it does not allow very easily for transitivity in trying to evaluate what one set of results means versus another set of results, right? You also have great levels of inequality between the teams and resources they have and the fact that brand names affect so much in terms of like how you can schedule and everything. It's like, it's just a zillion different things that go on here. You're not going to come up with a good way to determine who the champion is. But what we as a society a sporting society at the very least, are sure of is that the truest way to determine the best team is to have a tournament of some sort, something that comes with a bracket. What you get when you set up a bracket is not necessarily who is the best team. What you get is the winner of a tournament. And who wins that tournament depends on a lot of things that very often just functionally have to do with the tournament itself, where games are played, who happens to be healthy, who's not healthy, da-da-da-da, everything else, what refs, what the weather was, all these things up and down. It doesn't give you truly a champion in the ways that people discuss tournament winners as being. Now, if you want to say that winning a tournament makes you a true champion because of something that's a bit more tied to like morals and stuff like that, boom. I hear you, right? Or like the nobility of this. You know, you beat them. Just mano-y-mano stuff, all right? If you want to make that argument, all right, I get you. But I don't understand why people don't get that's not the only way to determine who a champion is. We had a way of doing it before. And quite honestly, it wasn't that bad. Every now and then you wound up with a situation where people had something to argue about but it really wasn't that bad. We all enjoyed it a great deal. And you know why we enjoyed it a great deal? 
Because there's only one school playing for a national championship every year, and that's Alabama. Everybody else is in this for shits and giggles. Everybody else. Let me give you an example of something, okay? Jim Harbaugh, I'm not Jim Harbaugh, Michigan. You know, he, they, they about the same now, but whatever. Michigan finished the regular season as the number one team in the AP poll. Sean, did you realize that's the first time that Michigan has been number one in the AP poll since 1997? That sounds like a fake stat. That, that sounds like they've, yeah. it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. 1997, and that's Michigan. Because they ain't never been playing for national championships. They got half a championship in 97, and I think maybe one other one since World War II. But they're, Mich- they're Michigan. That's not it. If a team wins a national championship, people are happy about it. But that's not really, like, the point. And people can make these arguments about, like, well, bowls games didn't matter and all this stuff. And I'll never forget this for the life of me. This was, I want to call it 2011, maybe 2012, but 2011 feels more accurate. Michigan and Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl. And if you remember, man, Michigan had been through some things, right? They're coming off the Rich Rodriguez debacle is Brady Hoke. You know, this is like some of the worst years of Michigan football ever. And they won the Sugar Bowl against Virginia Tech. And I forget what player they interviewed after the game. And he was just talking about what it felt like for them to win the Sugar Bowl. And he's like, starts crying because all the things they've been through in those four years, and it culminated in winning the Sugar Bowl because the Sugar Bowl still matters, right? It still feels like a thing. The Sugar Bowl. And I'm like, because why don't people get that the national championship thing? That's about TV. That playoff. That's about TV. All the other stuff, people are in this from so many, like, take the SEC, for example. I make this point about the SEC all the time. Right now, the SEC has 14 teams, okay? I know it's about to jumbo size next year, but right now, the SEC has 14 teams. Since they started that SEC championship game, which is 31 years ago, I believe all of six teams have won the SEC. LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. Tennessee has not won the SEC, by the way, since 1998. Okay? I think you see what I'm saying here. Eight teams out of that conference. Forget about don't have a chance at winning a national championship. They ain't got a chance to win the SEC. Yet they play every year. They play all these games, right? They be leaving their families on holidays to go play things called stuff like the Egg Bowl or whatever it is because ain't nobody in this for no damn national championship. That's just not why we're here. So when you had that old bowl set up, those games did still mean something. People did still play for them. People were still invested, right? Without this idea of a true national champion. Now, see, this is what happened when you take this to the to the new place now, to the college football playoff, where we talk about this now, is now you're getting into right or wrong. Now this stuff matters in a much, much, much different way. Because what this did was this eliminated even the idea of where we used to have the split champion, right? 2003, where USC won the AP poll, but LSU won the BCS championship. At least you still had room there, like in the split champion. No, 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 this is over. All the authority has been conferred upon the college football playoff. The four teams that are determined to be in this playoff. And this year, Florida State went undefeated in the ACC, which is not a great football league, but it is not a bad football league. And they got left out at the expense of Alabama, 
who we spent all year long saying they wasn't good, but then they beat Georgia, who, by the way, if you had been paying attention, had been cruising for a bruising all year long. They look like teams typically look in year three of the kind of run that they had, but it didn't look anything this year like it looked last year or like it looked the year before. They all they they look like they were a little tired, as teams like that tend to be, and a team that's gone through a bunch of stuff like that one has. And so Alabama then came up. This ain't no great Alabama team. They won. Florida State, who lost their starting quarterback, is out of there. And here is a white man named Boo explaining why uh, they went with Alabama over Florida State. Why did you choose Alabama? Well, I, I think in looking at it, and again, that, that, that was the decision, was Alabama at four. Florida State is a different team than they were through the first 11 weeks. Uh, Coach Norvell, their players, their fans, you know, uh, an incredible season. But as you look at who they are as a team right now, uh, without Jordan Travis, without the offensive dynamic that he brings to it, they are a different team. And, and the committee voted uh, Alabama 4 and Florida State 5. So this is something I don't think that people know. Sean, you let me know if you knew this, that there is a provision in the college football playoffs, paperwork, whatever. I don't know if it's in a proviso or manifesto, one of them words. But anyway, it says that like losing a significant player – can affect where the committee puts you. I didn't know that, but, you know, knowing that this is a TV cash grab, like, that makes complete yeah, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me stop you right now, because you're going you're gonna to blow, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna blow the plot. Chill out, chill out, chill out. Yes, you can, but, this, but, that, but that part is very important. Like, them putting in, and that becomes necessary, because we've seen this happen in the NCAA tournament in past years. Uh, you University of Cincinnati fans, when uh, Kenya Martin broke his leg, like, you know, this happens. Where do we put you depends on what they think about the team based on injury. And it's probably best that you have a clear policy about that one. And they have that in there. But I think the reason that we're talking about that we're in there really is this is a television product. Like all these people been out here talking about a national championship game as the idea of a true champion. And they just trying to give y'all a TV show. That's all they worried about. You out here talking about fair. They talk about TV. Florida State, and this is where I do feel bad for them in this. There wasn't no reason really for them to show up for the ACC championship game, right? There was no reason. Like the big thing about sports and the thing that makes sports more compelling than anything else, the moments that we all love, you have been knocked down. So what you about to do? And Florida State took that. They went down quarterback one and quarterback two, did it with quarterback three, and got not just no reward for it, they almost got penalized for the fact. Now, they're probably not going to play a good game against Georgia, though we'll see how much Georgia shows up, right? Like, they may ultimately look bad there, but if you were making the argument for the players that this is anything about competition or anything else, then they absolutely got jobbed. There's no way around that. They did. But this is a TV show, and that's what this is about. And people think that somehow you're going to solve the problem by being like, well, if you let more teams in, then that'll fix what it is. No, it's not going to fix anything if you let more teams in. You know what you're going to have? More teams in there that ain't got no business being in nobody's playoff. How many times have we seen in the first round of that playoff just teams getting their doors blown off playing against Alabama, blown off playing against Ohio State or playing against Georgia or whatever it is? Because as you step this down farther and farther, 
it just gets harder to put together something that's truly compelling. What you do is you just have a bunch of inventory of stuff to put on television. And what it's going to be is honestly not terribly different than the way they do the bowl games now. These bowl games weren't meant for us to play a different one every night when they big. It's meant for New Year's Day. Pick the one to watch. Flip around, right? This one might not be good. You go hop up on another one. That was always the best way to enjoy this sport because that is what this sport has always been about. What is so wild is hearing people make the arguments for the television companies. Because that's what all this stuff is about making this playoff happen. A whole season of shows where they put out the rankings as if the, the only rankings that matter are the last ones. The ones that come before them literally have nothing to do with the ones that come after. They tell you that every goddamn week. They have nothing to do with each other. And people still buy into this. It is just a TV show. And I guess I get so mad when people make the whole we gotta have a playoff thing. I made the point on Twitter the other day that it demonstrates a lack of creativity. And they're like, what do you mean by the lack of creativity? And what I'm saying is the only way that you think it's possible to have a champion is with a bracket. And that's not the only way to do it. We had this weird thing where we sent out a poll and we let people vote and decide who the champion was going to be. Was it perfect? No. But neither is a tournament bracket. The difference is a tournament bracket has clean, neat logic that no one will ultimately argue with. That's why I say this comes down to a lack of creativity. There's going to be some argument around this. It's going to be somewhat crazy. It's going to be nonsensical. Why? Have you ever paid attention to college football? It is entirely nonsensical. Nothing about the in institution in its entirety makes a lick of sense. But it's provocative. It gets the people going. And people just enjoy it for all these reasons, none of which have to do with determining a national champion. They just don't. Not a single one. And by the way, Florida State, yes, the committee is saying they think y'all would get boat raced on television. That's what they're telling you. I understand why you would feel disrespected by that fact. But I'm here to tell you, I think you'd probably get boat raced on television, too. So maybe it actually might be more fun for y'all just to have y'all's us against the world moment against Georgia. Because let me tell you what I don't think Florida State would have in them. Two of them. Like, you remember how TCU summoned up everything they had to make it happen last year to win that first game and then got their doors blown off in the next one. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Florida State, this will probably shape up to be something that'll make y'all a little bit happier. I think you got a better chance at some joy by going about it in this way that's all i'm saying that's that that's that's just where i'm coming from i want people to under, appreciate this game for what it is right don't get so caught up in this other nonsense because that's that is leading and going to lead to the ultimate ruin of this sport is keeping your eyes on the wrong thing and the wrong thing really is this stupid silly cynical nonsensical idea of a true champion nope give me the fake ones like we had in my youth they never weren't good enough and they'll be good enough down the line you know why because somebody tell you it's a champion you're gonna call it a champion period like y'all aren't independent thinkers if they say that's how we doing it y'all are gonna y'all ain't gonna be like out of protest i don't acknowledge that champion nope you count them all the same right so enjoy yourself 
Enjoy this little tournament as it's going to be. But I'm telling you, it was more fun before this. Prize Picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money this football season. And now you can play during basketball season two. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. And with the NBA back, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make our picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from the producer, Sean, that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. This time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. Whether it's seasonal stress from the cold temperatures or the holiday blues from missing your family because you're unable to travel. It can be a tough time for anyone no matter what their situation is, but adding something new and positive to your life can help counteract some of those feelings. One helpful solution can be therapy. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all of the stress and change, and it can be something to look forward to and something to make you feel grounded. Therapy can help you learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries within your life. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for people who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Beaumont. The holidays are right around the corner, and whether you're traveling or enjoying the time off from work, NBA 2K Mobile is the must-play mobile game for all hoop fans. This time of year is when basketball starts to heat up, and you can get unbeatable court action in the palm of your hand. Build your perfect dream team by combining legends with rookies or compete in tourney mode no matter where you are. You can showcase your skills and learn new ones while climbing the leaderboard. It's the perfect game for basketball lovers and casual NBA fans alike. Download NBA 2K Mobile free and start customizing your dream team today to join the holiday gaming fun. Download NBA 2K Mobile free on the App Store or Google Play. And use promo code Bomani Jones, one word, to receive an exclusive Shaquille O'Neal Pearl Tier card. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. All right, Sean, what we got first? Uh, the first audio bite comes from the world of fast food. Hello, I'm Nancy Luna, a food correspondent for Business Insider. McDonald's menu prices are up about 10% this year. That's on top of a 10% bump last year. Chipotle has raised prices five times since June 2021. Starbucks is also raising prices. 
fast food just isn't cheap anymore. Inflation may be slowing, but when it comes to skyrocketing fast food prices, the damage is done and there's no turning back. Over the past two years, chains such as McDonald's, Chipotle, Pizza Hut, and Starbucks have raised menu prices to combat high commodity costs and wages. Fast food, long known as one of the cheapest ways to eat, no longer feels affordable to many diners. New federal data released earlier this month shows inflation is slowing, with consumer prices leveling. Retailers expect to offer deep discounts for the holidays, but restaurant prices remain on the uptick, especially at fast food chains. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that fast food prices in October jumped 6.2% over the past 12 months. Analysts say consumers can expect the sticker shock to continue. Once chains boost menu prices, they never lower prices. And more price hikes are on the horizon. Chipotle recently raised menu prices by 3% in October. Californians can expect Chipotle prices to jump even more next year when the state implements a new fast food law that will trigger wages to jump in the state to $20 an hour. In its latest earnings call in October, McDonald's said it expects to have raised menu prices in the U.S. by about 10% this year. Like Chipotle, McDonald's restaurants in California might see price increases next year because of the jump in hourly wages. Starbucks hasn't ruled out more price hikes either. During a recent earnings call, the chain said it has raised prices over the past fiscal year and will continue to look at strategic pricing opportunities. Yeah, so my question is, if fast food ain't cheap, why are we here? Like, that was the whole thing about it was. It was like, oh, man, you were luring people uh, into, into, into eating this stuff that isn't good for because it's so damn affordable. I don't see why the hell you doing it now. It's also, it's also not as fast. You know, it's not as fast and convenient as it used to be. Yeah, dog, no, that's wow. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm just listening to that and I'm being like, McDonald's, y'all got some nerve. Like some real live nerve. And I get the idea of you, we got to raise uh, minimum wage salaries for people working in these industries. But the, the bit that Nancy said of once the prices are up, they'll never go down. You know, mm-hmm. like I like so chicken nuggets won't be 99 cents or a dollar ever again. Nah, nah, it'll never be whimsical again, dog. Like, you know, that this is what I started like. That's when you start sounding like I remember what a dime bag cost a dime, right? Like, it was like, yo, they used to have a two for two. Get two quarter pounders for two dollars, but y'all don't know nothing about that. But then I realized that was 30 years ago. Yeah, tough times. Um, the next uh, clip we got is about um, speech. Hi, I'm John Bowe. I'm a speech and presentation expert who contributes to CNBC and most recently to the New York Times opinion page. I wrote an essay for them recently about our crisis of connection. By that, I mean that socially, politically, emotionally, we've gotten very bad at talking to one another. We're divided, consumed by partisan anger, mistrust, our kids can't talk or focus, and so on and so on. People seem nuts, and not just in the U.S., but around the world. Everything I teach about public speaking is based on methods invented by the ancient Greeks. As it turns out, they were nuts just like us. The moment they invented democracy, speech became a huge avenue for power. So fake arguments, fake news, whatever, mudslinging, discourse became insane. Speech training was invented as a way to teach people how to express themselves and hold their own among other people. This ability to listen to other people, think about what you're going to say, speak, 
say it well, and interact with other people was the main subject of education for 2,000 years. And two or three centuries ago, thanks to science, it became uncool. And it's been mostly forgotten. So now no one knows how to practice these supposedly soft skills. Almost everyone feels shy, anxious, socially anxious, whatever, pissed off, and convinced that it's very, very hard to be understood. My big takeaway is that the ability to express yourself is a weirdly simple technical skill that anyone can learn, like cooking. I guarantee you, if you learn it, you'll be less angry, which is to say, you'll be happier. I believe that speech training can save us all, and I sincerely mean that. Kids, grown-ups, everyone. So I, I picked this because I just wanted to throw something out there. This won't even take me very long to say. But I remember this from when I was younger. My mother uh, is a uh, economics professor. She was the dean of business um, at Prairie View A&M University while I was growing up. And I noticed it then. And then I noticed it other, from other people who have been like part of this organization. Hey, man, if there's like a local Toastmasters chapter to where you are and you're the type of person that like wants to get better at doing that stuff, I really, really, really recommend you do that. I can't think of like really a more positive environment of people big up in each other in various ways than I have ever seen around that. And I do think that there is a real significant thing to the happiness level that people have um, as a correlation to their ability to express themselves to others in groups large and small. Like I, it, I was as I you know was going through stories for this week and saw that one and just you know, kind of thinking about the theme you know what he was talking about as related to like how people felt and all of that I was like no nah, I think this might be a good way to guide some people towards something that might you know make it a little easier to get a get a hand on that elusive happy but yeah find them organizations right like we've been talking about this as a running theme I think on the show about how like club memberships and stuff like that are things that are down and that people would be happier if they did more of that but if you could find a club you know for really just a talking club honestly I think it'd be good for you um, I agree and I feel bad for the people who do have fears or anxieties about public speaking and I think to your point a club can help ease that and lessen some stress in their lives Oh, yeah, because let me tell you, public speaking is not easy for me. Like, I can do it like this, but you put a room full of people in front of me to not laugh at my joke? Woo-hoo! That's a little dicey. <laughs> and you pay me to laugh, so that's why we're here. Oh, well played, Amy, man. Well played. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were uh, laughing for real. <laughs> we got the last, uh, if you hadn't heard today, uh, regarding free speech. Hi, Bomani. This is Jay Caspian Kang. I'm a columnist at The New Yorker, and... A couple of weeks ago, I wrote about the case of Stuart Seldowitz. Seldowitz is a veteran of the State Department. He worked under multiple presidential administrations and even worked on the Israel-Palestine situation. And he was filmed, uh, I would say, like two or three weeks ago at this point, harassing a halal cart vendor in Manhattan. The stuff that he was caught on film saying is certainly vile. It included him telling this young Egyptian man, if we kill 4,000 Palestinian children, it wasn't enough. There are many Islamophobic comments directed towards him, and it just seemed like this was an unhinged man who was going out of his way to repeatedly go to this halal cart vendor and just say the most horrible things possible to him. The article that I wrote, however, was not really a defense of Stuart Seldowitz, but it was a defense of the idea of free speech because what ended up happening to Stuart Seldowitz, you know, after the sort of internet outrage that took place, which was, I believe, righteous internet act, uh, outrage, what he said was absolutely terrible. When he, he was eventually arrested uh, and brought up on 
three charges or two charges. The first was fourth degree stalking. The second was second degree harassment. Well, those charges are somewhat similar in New York City. It essentially means that you are going out of your way to repeatedly bother somebody and to threaten their livelihood and to make it very difficult for them to sort of go about their daily life. That seems somewhat appropriate for Stuart Seldowitz, uh, although he was on a public sidewalk when he was doing all of this, which was something that he pointed out. But, well, I don't think that Stuart Seldowitz uh, should ever work in any type of government function anymore that um, requires him to have any type of influence over any type of foreign policy, given the extent of it, the Islamic phobic comments that he expressed. I do wonder what happens when people are charged with crimes because they said something to somebody, right? And the act of standing on a public space, expressing your views, no matter how vile or awful they are, should be protected in the United States. And it always has been, and that is how we have, you know, a sort of spirit and a history of protest in this country, that when those rights are infringed upon, that generally there's a somewhat robust type of defense. There are places like the ACLU, other types of legal organizations that are dedicated to protecting this type of thing, regardless of the actual politics or the views of the people involved. And so the piece that I wrote was an argument that despite how awful Stuart Seldowitz is, and I believe he is quite awful, right, that these types of things should be protected. People should not be brought up in charges on this, especially based on the virality of the video that they're involved in and how much the internet responds to them. And that hate crime charges, which are problematic anyway because they're very hard to prove, prosecutors and police departments don't really like using them for a variety of reasons, including the fact that a lot of police departments just don't think anything qualifies as a hate crime. And a lot of prosecutors, you know, and these are prosecutors who are on the left, don't want to do it because they sometimes think that uh, overcharging people is also bad. Somebody is charged on, for a hate crime for saying something in a public space does not seem quite right to me. I'm wondering what you think about it, Bomani. Um, and so, yep, that's my piece. But Yeah, so like the dilemma for me on those sorts of things is, what somebody, as we are learning all the time, once somebody else gets in charge, their definition of what is or isn't like illegal then becomes the change, right? Like there's, there's no way to have like an absolute standard on these things. And we're at the point now where we have very few mores that just like everybody jumps on, like norms seem to be less popular than they'd ever been before that I always run the risk of just because I think this thing is perfectly sane and rational doesn't mean the next person won't. You put the next person in position and now they're coming to lock me up with something that seems to be fair, like a fair thing to say. Um, like, for example... I'm very careful about not calling people or individual a racist. A, because it doesn't really matter if I say that or not. But B, like, people don't be really rolling with that. <laughs> they don't, it doesn't, they don't buy that. Like, that has been established as a thing you just can't say about somebody. I think that that's preposterous, right? Like, I think that if somebody is, in fact, a racist, you should be able to say that. But I recognize that you can't. And no matter how obvious it is to me that somebody is a racist, somebody else can say, oh, no, he's not. And we get into like this postmodern, my truth, your truth, the truth situation, and we can't get nowhere with it, right? All I'm saying is all that stuff gets really murky and confusing. Now, the showing up and doing it all the time, that's where I think we're talking about something that's just a little bit different. This man could have got away with saying that stuff once and gone on about his business and it wouldn't have been a thing. The problem is he keep on showing up.
All right. Now, that is to where I'm like, I don't even think we talking about free speech anymore. We just talking about the if he come back here one more time and I shoot him, you're going to say I'm the one who was tripping. All right, Bo. The prompt last Friday was times you were surprised by a white athlete or vice versa. And, you know, again, shout out to the audience. They came correct over the weekend. I had a blast listening to over 20, 30 submissions, but we got three for you. Let's start with this one right here. Hey, what's up, Bomani? Um, story about a person that surprised me. It was freshman year of college. Dude walks in, you know, backpack on, sweater, button up underneath. I look like, he looked like he was a professor or just like a high school teacher. He walks in, um, he's like, all right, who's got next? And he changes his clothes. Dude pulls out, he's wearing soccer shorts now. And this is like before, like the seven inch shorts were in, like the, the shorter shorts by athletes. You know, everyone's in there, you know, the shorts touching the knees and anything. So he's out there in soccer shorts. It's like gets the ball, starts warming up. And his first move was a drop step, two-handed dunk. And dude is my height at 5'10", maybe like an inch taller, inch shorter. Who knows? But his first move on the court, freshman year, no one has ever seen him before, was a drop step, two-handed dunk. And then he goes to then do a windmill as another warm-up dunk and we also became best friends um i see him a few times a week or no i'm sorry a few times a year but yeah great guy but never would have thought him walking into the gym that he would be on that so what was his nickname at the court because he had to have a name they had to call him something he out here white dude 510 two hand no no they called him something I don't know what it is, but they 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 definitely called him something. My jaw dropped when it, I heard the height when he when the guy mentioned the height of the dude who did a drop step dunk. I was like, "What? This no, no, this guy's just built different." Wow, he must be really bad at everything else, though. <laughs> All right, here's right somebody would have found a way. Like once the, once you cross over a certain threshold, like let's think about white dudes playing basketball. You either underrated or overrated. Ain't no in between. All right, we got one. We got two more. Here's the next one. Hey, Bo. I was thinking about what y'all said about that one time that white boy gave it to you. I was a junior in high school. I played varsity ball. I played against this white dude. He was a freshman. I Peter rode his ass all up and down the field. Right. The next year. We played him again, and I don't know what the white boy did. He had been spending all all summer in the weight room, and he had grew three inches. So, anyway, we're playing against each other again, and our quarterback threw a pick. And I'm running down the field trying to chase out the dude who, who caught the pick. And all of a sudden, out the side of my eye, that boy came over there and blasted the shit out of my ass. And then he said, he stood over me and he, he said, am I still too small now, bitch? And boy, I was shamed as hell. But anyway, bro, y'all keep doing what y'all doing. Y'all keep up the good work. Love the show, bro. Oh, my God. He spent the whole off season listening to the Rocky soundtrack. Wait for his chance. Just for that moment. That's all he had. He was listening to ACDC back in black, and then he go over to Rocky. Just listen to him back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> and, and you know he was oh. practicing that line in the mirror for weeks. Oh, yes. 
Because he knew his chance was coming. He knew his chance was coming. Oh, man, what's the last one? Hey, Bo, this is Jeff from South Florida. The year is 1998. My girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and I had the chance to go work at the College Football Awards. It was the first year that was at Disney, I believe. So we're down there. Our job was to pick up the players from the airport and get them over. Uh, we were both college students at the time, so the players we were picking up were our own age. So we're just hanging out with guys. And my wife gets an assignment to go pick up Tim Dwight. So at the time, I'm like telling her, listen, Tim Dwight just had this huge game against Penn State, returned kicks for, for touchdowns, flying all over the field. He's awesome. Good luck. So she goes to the airport to pick him up. She's holding her little sign that Tim Dwight on it. Some guy walks up to her, as she described it, some cute little white guy. And he goes, hey, you're here for me. And she just looks at him, and he goes, you thought I was going to be black, didn't you? <laughs> Not just one way, Bo. It goes both ways. Take care. I love you. Keep up the good work. <laughs> that was not. You know what? And it's not. I think it's the Dwight part. Yes. You know, uh, yeah, like, yeah. like, like, you know, like they don't make a lot. I don't know if they make a black Dwight's anymore either. But I know they kind of stopped making white. Like white people gave that back to us. Dwight, Dwayne, all the D Dubs. They let us. They let us have those back. And so, damn, yeah, I can see it. Tim Dwight was a monster, too. He was super fast, super duper fast. Man, I'm still laughing at that dude standing over him. Am I still too small now, bitch? I was, my man said, boy, I was shamed. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty, my brother. But ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. We do this three times a week. But hold on, Sean, we got picks for the people. We sure do, Bo. We're going Prize Monday picks. Night. Brought to yeah. you by Prize Picks. We make sure Cer I got that right. Prize picks. brought to you by Prize Picks. We got, uh, I got three picks I'm combining together, and I'm going an interesting round. I'm going to take Evan McPherson, the Bengals kicker. One and a half field goals made. I'm taking more there. Brandon McManus, one and a half field goals made. I'm taking more there. Trevor Lawrence, 0.5 interceptions. I'm taking more. I think he's going to get a pick, and I think there's going to be a lot of field goals in this one. All the way over. All right. Check them out at Prize Picks. Ladies and gentlemen, da da da. All that stuff I said before. Thank you to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Nancy Luna of Insider. Check out her story on how fast food isn't cheap anymore at businessinsider.com. Thanks to John Bow. Check out his story in the New York Times about our current crisis of disconnection. And thanks to Jay Kang of the New Yorker. Check out his story about whether people should legally have the right to say awful things without consequences. Uh, remember, follow the right time. Watch us on youtube subscribe like rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars i'm inclined to believe you are a hater we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days take it easy <laughs> <laughs>